good one. That was from the gut. Yeah, it's scratchy. It's guttural. A little scratchy this week. I'm gonna. You worked, you worked your diaphragm. Yeah, I'm gonna use my chocolatey baritone Ooh. this week. Only, very, only because my voice is a little off. Very white in the house. Not quite. Yeah. Uh, very, very white. <laughs> <laughs> very little too white. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This we're, is we're Rose Nose. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a slick professional operation going on here. I'm Josh Rose. And I am Andy Rose. And this is Rose Nose, the unedited weekly podcast where we spend an hour figuring out exactly what we don't know. That was pretty smooth. Thank you. Yeah. I practiced this time. Yeah. Semi-weekly is the actual <laughs> honest truth, but whatever. You know, we're uh, there's been a lot going on. There's been a ton going on. Yeah. And so. also it's the internet, so we yeah. don't have to be that honest. Right. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. But in the spirit of what's going on, how you been, man? It's I've been, been a minute. I've been pretty good. Yeah, it's not been a minute since we've seen each other. We've actually no. seen each other plenty, but yeah, it's been like a yesterday. minute since we've done this. Yeah. Uh, so. I feel like there was a reason. I don't remember what the reason was. Yeah, you were touring, and you got back, and we did one. I don't know. Something <laughs> happened, but here we are. Yeah, we're here. Taking another little trip this weekend, only like four days. Yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah. But anyhow... You know, we're uh, soldiering on, and yeah. we're making sure to uh, keep bringing you some quality content uh, on your wherever your podcasts are distributed. That's right. You know? While everything else is ablaze, Rose knows, soldiers on. That's right. That's that's all we can do. We are here for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Not really. <laughs> but we're glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. If we, you are here. Well, we can verify. We have analytics thanks to Anchor, so we, we can see that you're here and that you're listening. Uh, so I guess we should give you something to listen to. <laughs> so Besides that plug. Yeah, thanks, Anchor. Yeah, well, they hear plenty of Anchor before the episode starts, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, we can jump right into what's new if you want. Hit me. Okay. Let's see what's new. There, there's some interesting stuff this week. Um, the first one that I think will probably catch your attention. Okay. What's new? Belief in aliens could be America's next religion. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to believe, you know, in, in some regard. Well, yeah. But, okay. Well, this is, I already, our pre-review before we do indeed <laughs> go into this. Okay. Uh, this is going to immediately dip into conspiracy theory. Oh, stuff. sure. Bring like, it this on. Is, this is not just going to be that people believe that, you know, if you do the math, it's likely that somewhere else in existence there is another intelligent race of beings that maybe we're just not reachable to each. Maybe they're infinitely far away. But as opposed, you know, this is going to be like, you know, the lizard people that are secretly running the world or something like that, or cave drawings about, you know, that were left by aliens so, or some so shit. So the like most, that's, in- that's my pre-review. It's going to be that okay, type of stuff. Okay. So you're not, I don't know. You're, you're maybe splitting the difference, but All right, let's the, go. the, the general kind of way this is, this article has been kind of contextualized is based on a, a recent Harvard astronomer um, who made a public declaration that he believes an alien spaceship may be orbiting the planet. Okay. So it's tough when a Harvard astronomer is saying that, and he's saying he's not 100% sure, but he, no has, but he has reason to believe. Does it say what his reason is? 
he, the article doesn't, it links out to, to his whole dissertation and his whole thesis because there's, there's other stuff uh, and kind of other people who are stoking this, right? That's just one of the most recent ones. Like, like also there was a, a book by uh, this guy, D.W. Uh, Pasukla or Pasulka, um, and he's a Sounds prof- knowledgeable. And he's a professor and chair um, of the Department of Philosophy and Religion at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Um, and so he wrote this book, American Cosmic, UFOs, Religion, and Technology. And, and it kind of focuses not just on the grassroots uh, kind of investigative societies or, or even like like uh, fringe kind of cults, um, but, but really it focuses on people who are UFO believers and in power, like in real governmental power or or real societal uh, culture, uh, culture or, or technological uh pockets okay right so so that's kind of the the thesis of this book is we're not looking at wackos out there we're looking at people who actually can influence and shape society and policy uh who are firm believers in ufos history has shown that people who are you know shapers of history can also simultaneously be wackos uh do you have or is anyone springing to mind i'm actually i'm just curious a number of names (laughs) spring to mind but i mean would you like to share one? Donald fucking Trump springs to mind. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that's where you're going or not. But I could go on from there. I mean, throughout history, we've seen a number, you know, number of wackos that shape it. But I, just a little, you know, devil's advocate. Do go on. Okay, so uh, so I, uh, Pasolka, by the way, is also a female. So I apologize if I if I misrepresented uh, D.W. Pasolka as a as a male. It's a female. Uh, so in her to book, be fair. When two when the when the first name is two letters, hard to know. No, it's, isn't it usually a male though? Only in my blip of a, a experience on this planet, but yes. Yeah, I feel like it's usually a male. I'm just saying I don't think you made an unfair assumption. In her book, yeah. Um, she she used a lot of. Um, cause she got these people to talk to her, but not on record as themselves because they, some of them probably fear reprisal, mm. you know, based on their roles. Mm. Um, so she has kind of pseudonyms or, or aliases, uh, for, for these people. So there's this guy in her book that she calls Tyler uh, and Tyler is a biomedical technology mogul associated with the U S space program. So he's, he's a, <laughs> so his name's Elon. He's a biotech mogul associated with with the US space program so that that could be NASA that could be you know it's not okay. saying it's not saying it's SpaceX necessarily well mogul usually well someone so someone who's a mogul yeah titan of industry in the yeah. biomed tech mogul space mogul means you've made some headlines right so it's like a prerequisite for mogul status yeah probably so this guy Tyler has over 40 biotech patents to his name Right. So, okay. So he's, he's actually a smart dude on top of it. Uh, many of which, uh, he believes were communicated to him by non-human intelligence. Yeah. Okay. So he works, (laughs) he works in a government program. I feel pretty positive. They weren't, uh, where there's like security labyrinths, like, like you would find in like X files. Um, like saying his own direct boss doesn't even know what he does, uh, as a part of his job day to day. And that's like how the entire program works. Uh, where he's at, like within the government. Okay. So here you have a guy who I could thrive at that job. Yeah. Right. So here you have a guy who's basically saying, no one's allowed to know exactly what I do. I have over 40 patents 
and many of which were communicated to me uh, through non-human intelligent life forms. No, they weren't. <laughs> Maybe they were, though. I'm just saying the burden of proof is officially on this guy. And until proven crazy, I'm going to assume sane. For me, I mean. Well, so so the, the author said, like, she thought this all sounded like even just him in general seemed crazy. But she said she traveled with him because she was trying to get really inside you know it wasn't just one hour interview over the phone or something like she was trying to like get to know some of these people like that was the whole premise of the book yeah so she got to travel with him and she said traveling with him through airports was like otherworldly she said we would arrive at the airport he would just just pass right through security uh always straight to first class literally seemed beyond the law with like tsa agents just his name alone like they they were able to uh, get a private reception like at the Vatican. So like like so she's saying this guy is revered in multiple cultures beyond the U.S. government, beyond the biomed tech space. Like using his name at the Vatican just gets them a direct meeting. Oh, with, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's not a genius no, or hasn't that, made great contributions to society. I'm saying. I'm saying along with that level of genius, often comes other idiosyncrasies that you know come out in symptoms sure. of wacko-ness sure. or wacko-something, f- uh, you know, ism, I don't know. Um, well, and that's and, yeah. and, and that's where... So he might believe that as he, some construct in his brain to work around stuff, but, you know, but, I mean, I, I don't think that... Unless he can show an example of how... Does he explain the mechanism by which he receives? Is it telepathy? Uh, he doesn't get specific, or at least in this article. Obviously, she's saving some for the book, right? She's trying to, you know, use the book uh, as something nah. uh, that she wants people to buy. But I call bullshit. But what... I, what and there's more and there's more references like throughout this article. It's, it's a long one, so I won't get into every point of it. But I think what's, what is interesting yeah. is that he this guy, Tyler, isn't a fringe... I mean, lunatic person A to begin with, right? He's at some level uh, presentable enough to be in public and run companies and and have patents successfully in his name and work, you know, as a consultant with the U.S. government and the space program. So he's he's at least on the level in some regards where he can function as a human. But beyond that, his belief about about alien life uh, and terrestrial life isn't in the minority either. So polling shows that 35% – or it's not the overwhelming minority, right? Gotcha. 35%. So a block. We're talking a block of of, of Americans, right? Believe that extraterrestrials came to Earth in the past. And 26%, a quarter of Americans, believe that aliens have visited in modern times. That's a – one in four people in America believe aliens have been here recently. Okay, I mean, yeah, if you take a poll or a survey, but there's still, you know, the reason that only 25% of people believe that is because there is, like, literally zero evidence. If there was any evidence, then, you know. But couldn't it be Men in Black style, man? Couldn't they just be coming around and and erasing our memories? Because you've invented an idea or a possibility, then yes, it is theoretically possible. <laughs> yeah, anything but is, right? Yeah, like it's right. all, you know, the old, um, I don't remember who came up with it, and it would be a lot more impressive if I could quote a name here or credit the original inventor of the thought. But someone said, you know, 
if you say there's a teapot orbiting the earth, I can't, you can't disprove that it's there. You wouldn't be able to see it from here. Um, no telescope would be able to pick it up. No radar right. would be able to read it. It's not moving fast enough or have enough mass to be detected by right. the, or maybe the instruments that we maybe know this of. Is maybe an old yeah. idea, but maybe. you know. So, but that doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't give it any more probability of right. being true just because right. it can't be disproven. So, you know, people saying that they believe this happened. Um, I don't. I don't think anyone's got any basis for that besides conspiracy theories or general skepticism of government. Which I can't blame anyone for. Both of those are a lot of fun and oftentimes reasonable. But uh, aliens have been here in modern in times. Modern time. is, uh, all right, well, you got to back that up. And, and where do one in four people in the country get their information from where they they have what they believe is enough evidence to have that belief? That's what I mean. You can't. Like it's there so, is no evidence because if there were actual evidence, that would be a headline. They'd be like, "Well, look, holy shit! Look at we're gonna sell a lot of papers and get a lot of clicks on the website today when we show that you know there's aliens among us or something." Yeah, you know, if there I mean, were any evidence, it would already would already be a thing. And, and I think you know, obviously, there there's there's no right or wrong, you know, with this whole article and kind of, you know, and it goes on to make a case about how, you know, there, there's enough, um, there's enough written into existing scriptures uh, of different religions. Oh, that that's good source material for you. Right. That you could then argue the that some of those of things were of cosmic or non-human, you know, uh, doing so. So, uh, no, it's because they all rewrote the same fucking story. <laughs> if you look at the date, each of those are written. They Everyone. all read each other's books and rewrote the shit. Everyone's a plagiarist. That's basically what we're boiling down to, which makes because of plagiarism, we, we believe in aliens, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to boil it all the way down. So we could talk about that one all day, but we won't. Um, because I wish there were aliens. <laughs> I'm a sci fi nerd. Agreed. Like, I'm on team alien. Like, Agreed. I'm pro alien. But all you know, they haven't, they haven't fucking been here. No, I'm. I mean, or at least not in any not way detectable to any right. human being. And you know what? They, if they were visiting, they probably don't want us to know because they're like, this fruit ain't ripe yet. <laughs> These guys got a ways to go before yeah, they're probably. ready to deal with us. Yeah, they're just they don't have their shit together. They're gonna have to kill each other off first before. Uh... Look at all the wackos in charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyhow, we'll 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 just leave that for for <laughs> what's new as far as uh, aliens and uh, and the the overwhelming quarter of Americans who believe they've been here recently. I'm with, I think we did a great job milking that one. <laughs> uh, what else is new? How about uh how about uh, some data for you? You know I love my data. I know Th- this one's pretty easy, but also not only the Star Trek variety, by the way. Uh, well, this data is definitely of note. Uh, it's a shift in how couples meet over the last six decades. Oh, it's like all online dating now. Clearly. Yeah. Right. But what you might Which, find damn, interesting. Kids don't know how good they have it. Oh, I know. Well, like... okay. So let's, let's see if you can, if you can guess in the seventies, what do you think was the, the number one way? Um, the, the dance club, the disco. Probably uh, no. S- school, no. Roller skating. 
No. I'm leaning hard on the, you know, trailers. You're, you're of really 70s doing tropes. Yeah. Uh, it's simpler than I don't that. Know. It's simpler than that. Uh, concerts? Uh, I don't know. In the 70s, it was primarily one and two uh, were through a friend. Oh, okay. Or through family. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. And that actually was pervasive uh, throughout the 70s. <laughs> throughout the 80s i'm all like in the back of a pinto (laughs) at the drive-in the The, sock hop so it's it started uh so this data is originally from this the the 90s was swing dancing it's actually through the 60s and 70s um so 60s 70s uh the the 80s stayed through a friend but in the 80s what actually rose quickly to number two and three Hmm. uh were number two was through a co-worker and number three was, I think you might have said this, uh, like at a bar or restaurant. Okay. Right? Uh, but yeah, then, club, bar, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Then once you get into, uh, you know, the 90s, uh, it, it's it's largely the same, but you can see kind of out of nowhere uh, from way down at like zero on the list, all of a sudden it starts kind of just leaping forward, of course, uh, is online. Mm. So you would think that in the 2000s that, it was online already, right? No, I don't think it really blew okay. up until apps. Cool. There you go. So, so you're right. So uh, how far up, like, uh, you think online in the 2000s was, like, in the top 10, top 5? Mm. I can give you some of the other ones out of sequence, if that helps, if you want to hear some of the other ones. That sounds fun. Okay. Um, so just completely out of sequence. Business trip, on vacation, uh, customer-client relationship. Through coworker. Wow, some of these are really specific. Yeah, party, college, church, volunteer organization, military, um, bar or restaurant, like we'd said before. I'm going to say that college and bar are in the top two. For the 2000s? Yeah. Uh, what were they? College and bar. Bar, yes. College, no. What's the other one? Uh, the top two in yeah. the 2000s? Bar's number one? Well, no. Through a Friend was still number one. Through a Friend is number one. Through a Friend one. is still number, number one in the 2000s. Okay. I'm going to say online's like number five or six. Uh, uh, it's actually higher than that. It's number four. Okay. So the in the 2000s, it was number one through a friend, number two, bar or restaurant, three through coworker, four met online, five through family. Okay. And now, <laughs> now in this decade, because, you know, we're basically rounding it out mm-hmm. in this year, uh, met online clearly is number one. You're right, as the the rise of the apps, you know, uh, led to that. What do you think uh, two and three were? Hmm. Not at the dog park, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dogs in the background. <laughs> um, Through a Friend is still probably in the top three. Number two. And Bar? You got it. Yeah, there you go. One, two, and three. So now yeah. it's So there's online. just a new standard. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, what's interesting is some of the other stuff kind of underneath um, – a lot more changed, right? So in the 60s, um, you know, it was through friend, through family, primary or secondary school because people would meet that early and and that's crazy. be mated for life. Yeah. Right? And then five was yeah, and then Too five young. was through coworker. Um but number 7 in the 60s was in the military, right? Then wow. in the 70s that jumped uh, all the way down to number 14 and things like uh, party college in the seventies, you know, kind of all all started to climb their way up. Uh, so it's interesting just when you can kind of see 
over time. Wow, there's a big drop off. Yeah, how the data kind of changes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know you guys can't see this as you're listening to it, but I'm just showing Josh there's actually a cool kind of fun uh, data visualizer chart that, that kind of moves on its own uh, and gives you a real better understanding of how these things kind of flip and, and, and inverse on each other over time. So, yeah. Uh, so, see, data is sort of fun and cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so not surprising, right, that that's how people are meeting. I think the apps blew it up because they made it, uh, like, I know there's, like, the step where it's semi-anonymous until, you know, it's like having that friend. It's yeah. just the friend is digital. We're like, ask if she likes me. Ask if he likes me. You know? And then once a third party can somehow confirm check to the yes, other people no. that, yes, they both, <laughs> you both like each other. Right. Then someone's willing to go up and ask. Right. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's like a, a broker for exactly. uh, for relationships. Um, you know, and I, I think there's there's both inherent upsides to that because our, our culture changes. Even that data kind of graph visualization is a really good indication of how how our culture has changed. Right in the '60s and probably before that, military service just was was a natural, you know, uh, course of action in life. Uh, very different now. You know, the country is is there's still a, a strong call for national service, uh, but but probably not as dominant. Uh, or pervasive again. There's that word again. Well, the draft uh, throughout is the still country. gone. That helps, right? But but uh, I'd, I'd say there's probably less of a uh, in the the now the 2019 uh, less of a, a patriotic drumbeat throughout the country where everyone is is wanting to enlist in the military. I mean the 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 un, unsolicited you know signing themselves up for military service. Those numbers are way down. Um, you know, historically, you know, now from where they would have been. Yeah, people uh, in know. the West and the Northeast generally don't want to join, and everyone else is pretty much up for it. <laughs> <laughs> but but even that, you know, that's a good example of how our, how our culture is changing, and, and even the way automation is kind of taking over jobs and stuff, you know, well, well there's going to be less, quote, air quotes, jobs at, per, potentially for people to meet at mm -hmm. you know there maybe there's less physical places for people to meet organically so you could see how how having a digital marketplace for for you know getting set up on dates it, it basically is a blind date plus a meeting through a friend plus a you know it it sort of is some of those things yeah uh in a way yeah but at the same time it gives us that illusion of there's always potentially somebody better just beyond this next person so then are you really treating the person across from you when you get out of swipe land and into let's have, you know, coffee or dinner or whatever? Oh, you, uh, went, you went way beyond the data with this. This is well, this is just this, you is know, this is just the way I'm thinking about it. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. well, from there, you know, what does that mean to the person then that you mutually agreed upon? Right. You both did that swipe right thing. Now you're both sitting there. You know, are 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 we going to be artificially predisposed to not seeing someone for what they have to offer and just be ready to do the the you know real life swipe left if we just don't like something right off the bat or it just doesn't feel perfect you know like are we, is it going to somehow influence or co-opt the way well if you're like at a we point try where you're to just date. like dating around you should kind of do that anyway touche touche you know like you dates are a job interviews <laughs> yeah you shouldn't try to force any relationship into a long-term thing like if you don't like the person already then get the fuck out and go Try to meet someone you like better before it becomes a giant thing you have to well, separate yourself from or divide an apartment in half or, well, you so, know, get into all that shit. Like, just back out. If you know, if it looks shitty now, then it's probably only going to get shittier later. Well, I just wonder how it changes people's 
perceptions and maybe their preconceived notions and just their like it's very i don't know if you're aware of this um one of the now one of the most common causes for infidelity is social media right so somebody reconnecting with someone for, through facebook or whatever well, right is now those avenues i mean statistically that's a egg statistically it is that's, well, no, that's what I, they're saying i agree that that's you know like online dating right more uh affairs will begin through a digital connection like more relationships will but does that mean that like that app isn't causing those people to meet it's each other not. the same way the social media isn't causing those people you know what i mean like to say it's caused by you know let, like oh, this you're right the actual data point uh is, they say something to the effect of uh begins with they meet you via, know yeah, or that's, yeah, and that's well, fine. yeah and i get that but um, that these are people that hey that's the thing i don't think these necessarily change human behavior i think they just make parts of it either easier to see or easier for people to deal with or you get don't around think it changes it on some i think i'm going to disagree with you i think on some level it does change it maybe not in the right now um but i think over time it can influence the societal behaviors that we exhibit that we associate with relationships right now now more than ever long distance relationships are doable i would imagine that is much easier now because of technology and technology has enabled us to have those connections with somebody who might be further apart than we would want when it was just writing a, a pen pal letter you know in, in the 40s i can tell you speaking from ex a lot of experience on that it really doesn't work it lot like long distance just doesn't it's not the same even with Agreed. all the technology you can't you're not really having a full relationship with that person at long distance there's just you can both do your best but at the end of the day there's no way to really do that without time together and face-to-face -face time and you know making choices and sacrifices for that person with your time you don't have to do that as much when it's just via your phone you know, it's yeah. really not asking as much out of your life or out of your lifestyle. And but don't you think that that's changed over time? The way oh, people no, sure. behave it's, in relationships, you, know, you like, can have more contact, more times per day. Right. Sure. Like we're we're in more communication with more people per minute, which isn't necessarily a good thing either. Just because you good. can do it doesn't make it a good thing. I think it's good. You know, I think it. Like I think that uh, every every wave like this has been. You know criticized or had some backlash throughout history and this is going to get the same backlash now because it's the new one but eventually there's going to be a new form beyond social media that you know people will say you know things made a lot more sense when it was just facebook well, it was just 240 characters on twitter yeah you know like, man, made so much made, more sense that, that's when those were the good old days <laughs> you know that's what people will say and you know it, it's weird to grow up and see change i think that's the core of it it's weird for me yeah, like well, I'm at like I've we're on an I've, interesting cusp yeah, where we're like, at age wise. Dude, I've never used the dating app. Touche. Right? I've never I, I've I've missed all of that. Yeah, I've never done that. And that sounds weird to me. I've also, you know, wouldn't if I were to try and approach a girl at a bar like or something like that right now, I would have no idea how the fuck to do that either. So right. that's all fine. <laughs> no that, game. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife is awesome and she had to make this happen. Right. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, so I don't know 
I don't know. Like that already feels to me like a thing where it's like, ah, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, like, uh, but that, that's not a judgment. No, no, against totally. People who do it because I cannot, you know, I, yeah, I, I just, it, it's just a thing that's totally not in my life experience. Well, technology, it's but interesting. I can, I can totally understand how it would feel like if I, you know, if I were single or starting over now, um, I can totally see how that would feel like at least a good start. Yeah. You know, it's like dipping your toe in the pool, you know, because I can tell you as somebody who did have to, you know, restart, uh, it's hard to organically go out and, and meet people without seeming strange or weird, <laughs> you know, like to, to organically try to air quotes, pick up on someone in public is, uh, is also a little bit shunned. You know, a lot there. There's very much. Uh, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And yeah. I think it's interesting how technology is, in so many ways, been able to bring people closer together, but at the same time create wedges that or divides that didn't need to be there or weren't there before. If that makes sense. So technology can allow myself or yourself to to meet someone. Right. Like to just swipe right and meet a person. Sure. Without even getting up off that chair. But did so when you've done that in your experience, did it the fact that you met that person through a dating app make you treat them any differently than if you'd met them at a bar or a coffee shop and had uh, made arrangements to have a date after that? Uh, Does I that make you act any differently towards that person on that first date or any time after? Is this just a, a is this just a dating app girl? Yeah, hard for me to speak for the public. I'm asking um, you. For me personally, it was more, um, you know, I mean, it's the it is the most superficial way to meet a person. You're looking at their face. Well, you know, yeah, but you do that when you see them in person too. Touche. You you can't look across the room and say great morals. Exactly. Yeah, there's no, no right. there's no. That's how everyone at first right. meets. That's how um, everyone is at first interested. And but you, you investigate from there and see how compatible you are and etc. Yeah, I'll be honest. I uh, uh, my swiping criteria was usually if they'd written something as a profile, which uh, which many don't. Right. Uh, and if there was anything remotely interesting, unique, slightly funny about it. Okay, that's um, cool. But I'm sure that. You have to like the face too. That's okay. Oh you yeah, no, of course, like... of course, naturally. And, it's, yeah, but, but it's a, but, but it's a one question, plus one for me, not not a. Yeah. And that's fine. But my question was: Do I treat them differently? You, once you're on that date, does the fact that you met them on a dating app make you treat them any differently? No, because I, it was much. There was many more swipe right connections than there were in life meetings for coffee. Right? You, it's it's like a job interview and phases like you first do the digital thing and you talk a little bit back and forth to even decide what i even want to fucking meet this person like can i even hold a conversation like 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 strangers do it's basically can you make small talk long enough to uncover a normal human thing that people might talk about but isn't that the same approach you would have on a first date with anyone yes but it's much easier it's much it's always easier for anyone behind the anonymity and safety of of a a megaphone or amplifier of sorts if you don't have to sit there and have sweaty palms and a nervous laugh and worry about spinach in your teeth talking to someone in public then yeah it's much easier to have that conversation here 
than it is with, with he, he made he with, made phone I made, thumbs. I made phone thumbs. Phone yeah. thumbs. Um, that, than it is to have it with your with your mouth and with your eyes and with your body language and with your bad breath and your you know like like uh, those are just all the things that people could get caught up on when trying to talk to someone organically in public. You know, if you're both grabbing the same lemon, you know, in the produce section, and you know, are you awkward enough where you you, you you can't have a, a funny conversation with a stranger about that, and, and you may have missed an organic chance to meet a person. Um, so, all right, you so know what I mean. You're saying that um... I'm a chatty Kathy. Like I have no problem talking to strangers in public. I'm speaking for like John Q. Public here, who right, but, male or female, who might have a hard time communicating or flirting. Air quotes. And, you th- know. and that's all good. I'm I'm trying to get back to the the thing about how we're saying that. The idea that the um, meeting people digitally somehow changes human behavior in relationships. I, I and I, I guess I, I think I it think, takes longer than, than I think that I think well relationship behavior. All right, so you're saying if you meet someone organically, it takes longer to go through that many. Yes, like you're saying. All right, so definitely, one hundred percent. You so you treat people more as a commodity or a disposable commodity. You can well, you if can you're swipe a right person, you would have done that anyway. Though. But but yes, but. At least the upside is maybe you find that out faster that somebody's a shitty person because you can have a, a, a great conversation with somebody and all of a sudden they start talking to somebody else that they swipe right on two days later, you know, and then they just decide I'm going to talk to this person more because they're whatever or whatever or whatever. But but the, there's a quote unquote ghosting culture where no one will say, hey, you know what? I'm talking to this other person. Uh, you know, this has been fun, but I'm going to talk to this other person. They'll kind of leave multiple irons in a fire. Uh, until you go on a date with one and then okay well did i like that i've been talking to these other ones on the side of, well that person wasn't so great i'm going to ask the next one to go on a date See, or set up a not, series of but dates. that's not new either people have always done stuff like that they just didn't do it via apps yeah and maybe you're, it's did, just you know, allows people, you to expedite the timing within <laughs> which you might do that sure stuff. but people still you know people oh you have three four girls on Tinder. guys did that before tinder well, and you girls know, too. I'm not speaking. Uh, yeah, I'm no, speaking but in generalities. Yeah, here. but uh, you know, if I, I sound better insulting my fellow men. Fair, so you know, fair. fuck you guys. And <laughs> um, and guys did this before Tinder. You know, they would just go to the bar two nights a weekend. Yeah, and you know, swipe try right to get, IRL. Try to get phone yeah. numbers. Yeah. yeah, in person and get some, buy some drinks, take some girls out, right. and then see this one this week and this one the next week and et cetera, et cetera. It's a player's not a new thing. Calling it ghosting and blaming it on apps in that culture is the new thing, but like, ghosting's like probably every, not a new thing. Ghosting's not. probably like a with, thing as old as, as dating and and that's what men. I'm saying. Like with every like with every new new form of technology or new way of interacting or new way that people find to meet, you know, whatever it is, people start blaming as much shit as they can on that. But a lot of it's just good old fashioned usual human behavior. Just in a new medium. Let's boil this back to like a science experiment, right? If let's pretend we're rats in a lab in like a, a cage box thing, whatever, right? Okay. And and as rats, it's not that different from real life as it I know, is. But I do know. go on. <laughs> and let's say, um, you know, it was like an empathy test, right? Because this is like they do empathy control studies in animals, right? So, sure. So um, you might see that the like you and I are rats together, and I see if I walk over. And hit uh, the green button, uh, a piece of food will drop, and neither of us will get shocked. Okay. If I hit the red button, a piece of food will drop, but you'll get shocked. Okay. So if I'm able to get my piece of food either way, 
at some point, the likelihood of my concern for your shocking has a chance to be overridden by the lazy fairness of I'm just getting food either way. And that's something that has has started to prove out in animals, right? In animal testing is is that some animals and and the the thesis is humans by extension may not have the empathy if there's not enough of an attachment, right? Because if you and I are in the same cage, I'll probably keep hitting the green button so you don't get shocked. If there's if a divider between me, yeah. you and me, yeah. and now I don't know that you're getting shocked, but the same rules still apply, well, then at that point, you know, I, I could hit either button and get food, you know? Yeah, so then the question becomes, if that divider's down, do you know whether or not the person on the other side of the wall is getting shocked? No. If you don't know, and you don't know the effect of either button, then all you know is that either button gives you food, which means that my likelihood of getting shocked is really random because true. you have no decision in which button you press. The only variable you're aware of in your box is that both these are food buttons. Right. Well, well, the the divider would be introduced after we'd done the original experiment where we're in the same uh, okay. box. Well, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, you know. Just saying, you know, humans are animals. There, there's the possibility that all this technology, so all did the... the rats meet on a dating app. Or... <laughs> they, they both swiped up, which is a super like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've talked data. We've talked aliens. Uh, <laughs> and, and everything involved in those two things. <laughs> and we're already more than halfway through the episode. Cool. Uh, so uh, what do you got? I mean, maybe I can turn to you. Do you got any new stuff or do you got any rant stuff this week? We didn't really do a ton of pre-production. <laughs> um, well, the only what's new I have to offer is that uh, Keith Flint from The Prodigy. Oh, yeah, sad. Yeah, well, you know, I don't usually get too hung up on celebrity deaths, and to do it if someone I was a fan of would just be hypocritical, so I'm not going to start now. But, but uh, you did mention it. Well, no, nah, it's just, it's almost more like, fuck you, because now I can't see them live. I never got to see the Prodigy live. And yeah. if I may be so bold, Big Beat was, like, arguably the most musical and highest art of the electronica genre. And that whole, th you know, that whole part of it in the mid and late 90s and the early 2000s some of the best electronica was big beat stuff and prodigies out there with it they don't get enough credit they they're, don't they're an underrated band uh, okay Their later stuff eh, not all as good but. so let's springboard this then okay so now that's a band you can't see live so it's like a bucket list band that you could see live but you couldn't actually see them right like in the same way i would want to see queen but it's not queen because it's not freddie mercury so sure it's whatever like yeah. i don't really care if i see them or not like yeah. you know whatever are there... By the way, I saw someone on a, on one of my flights. I saw someone watching um, Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. on their screen. Right. I saw some of it over their shoulder while I was watching my own thing. It looked good. It is good. Yeah. You I, still I haven't watched that. No. <laughs> well, I saw some of it over her shoulder it's with good. no sound. Yeah, you but did. But it looks it. like they did a good job. They did. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> are there still bucket list bands that are fully intact that you would like to see? Fully intact. Yeah. Um, because to me, that's the only way it's really a bucket list thing. As soon as a member's a dead, question. it, it Mute, shouldn't really... Mute Math doesn't have the same drummer anymore. Bad Plus has a different piano player. Although I'm sure they're great still. I can tell you, Bad Plus is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm very jealous yeah. you've seen that. Yeah. Um, I got good swag, though. You, you did. got good stuff. You did. That, yeah. was a good, that was a good one. I wear the shit out of that t-shirt. Um... Yeah, well, I really don't keep up on it enough. 
That's fair. Uh, for me, a real simple one, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters would be a good band to see. And never, never seen them live. Yeah, you know? that'd be a good and band I to would see. Just, I would just love to see Foo Fighters live. Foo Fighters is like, man, they've got a whole bunch of songs. Yeah. Like a big heaping handful of songs that I really, really like. Yeah. And then there's all the others, which is more. Yeah, but I mean, they just don't really. It's not that they suck. It's just there's a lot of skip track songs. There's a lot of songs at about forty five seconds a minute in. Like ah, that's. I think that's okay though. Because I mean, ones. I I would I think you could almost say that for any artist. No, what artist do you love every track on every album? It's not necessarily every single track. I'm just saying higher ratio. Or who don't you? Foo sk- Fighters ratio is not as good for me as who other do, bands. Who do you skip less on? Uh, a lot of mute math, the bad plus, for okay. example, right. uh, bad plus actually, because they're so all over the map they're you know, it's, it's the same type of thing. Like bad plus probably has a 60, 70% good ratio right. with me. And there is some stuff that you just, you hit the skip button, but the, the stuff that you do listen to is so good. It doesn't mean that they suck because they have yeah. that other stuff. It just means that this stuff is what I need for me and it's so good. That's all I need from them for me. And yeah. Foo Fighters, same way. They're probably more like a 30-40% yeah. skip, you know, keep ratio over skipping. the most More than half of their stuff I probably skip. But that other stuff is really good. Yeah. You know? Rage Against the Machine, not intact anymore. But, like, that was a huge right. band for me as a kid. I think there's, um, it's interesting because you, that, you're. That's when I, almost 90%. Yeah. You're, you're like a music purist in a lot of sense. I'm very picky. Yeah. Um, and and I wouldn't say I, I am nearly to your degree. I have very specific criteria I need in order to like music of any genre, right? Like they have to be able to replicate what they've recorded live. That's basically like a baseline for me. Like I, I don't I, always need that. If, I, like I if a record is good, that's good enough for me. If that 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 record could be all I need. Uh, I mean, I guess I mean in the sense if somebody's like a singer songwriter, and okay. they just auto tune the hell out of themselves. You know, and, and in reality, they're a songwriter who shouldn't be a singer. Yeah, yeah. you know, like okay. those kinds of things bug me. Okay, right? like probably one of the reasons Just I loved. Principle. Yeah, one of the reasons I loved "A Star Is Born" so much was because everything was recorded on set, on location. That take is what you're hearing. Hmm, okay, from the film. Okay, they didn't go into a studio to record anything, right? So to me, that's like true. That's true art. That's true musicianship. Helps when you have Lady Gaga, but. You know, that's that's an artist really performing for real. Okay. Um, but where you probably will burn me in effigy is that I rarely, if ever now, listen to albums. Like, I don't know if it's just my ADHD or what, but, like, I'm more Look, like I've, I've gotten listening into to the, mixes of stuff. I've gotten into this argument with people so many times, and there's really no right answer. Oh, that's it's relieving. A, that's nice to hear from a, you. I figured look, you were going to be more I, pissed. I'm on the album side, yeah, but, like, I th- know you that are. doesn't mean that I'm correct. It just, you know, the only thing I don't agree with is, like, people that aren't on the album side, they say that, you know, it's wrong to say that an album track listing is, like, as the artist intended, and it's like, really? no, I, feel like I think that's, that's exactly definitely, what it is. yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't agree with that. What like they'll say that they'll say the track listings are totally arbitrary in every instance and that they don't mean, and like, no, no, Those people sound I weird. don't think that's true at all, Yeah, but I don't think that they're wrong for not wanting to listen to albums straight right. through. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's, you know, some albums are designed to be listened to all the way through. And I believe that 
you know, to cut yourself off from that experience entirely on any kind of principle is like, well, you could be missing out on some deeper stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, comic books are great, but, you know, sometimes, you know, or like, you know, short novels. How about that? Short stories are great, but, uh, you know, you read that, you read that big old thick classic, you read Moby Dick or you read the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged, then, you know, you go, all right, well, that was a lot of pages, but that was, <laughs> I got more out of that than yeah. just the short story that's right. only 40 long. Well, I, I thought, um, I thought of you recently because there was an album by a guy that I like uh, named Mike Posner and he, his most recent album is called a real good kid. And okay. the opening track is, is called introduction. And basically it's his request to the listener. This is how I intended it. Okay. Please. If you don't have 37 minutes to listen to it in totality. Yeah. Totally cool. Just come back when you have 37 minutes to listen to it. And I thought that was really, like, I'm sure some people could see it as pretentious. I think for him, it's they it's a very right. genuine, like, the, he's the artist. That's his that's his prerogative to feel like uh, it's important to at least communicate, this is how I intended it. Mm-hmm. And, he, you, and know. you know, like the rest of us, he can only lead the horse to water. Right. Right. But, yeah. Like you and I were talking about yeah. pre-show. You can only lead, you can only lead people so far. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they got to They got to make decisions on their own. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I would assume, or at least hope that there's more to be gained from listening to that album all the way through. I think so. And I mean, I think it's a really nice cohesive arc. I mean, it's telling a story. I think that's cool. Um, I think there's some stuff where the, uh, the music never stops from track to yeah, track. It's I mean, just one big long thing. And it's I almost like, like it's almost an album like that. There's a little here and there, but it's got a lot of stuff that kind of blends and segues from one thing to the next. And, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Just, just, it was, it was nice. And it's, it's an Hell, album that Dark came out. Side of the moon does that. Right. It's, it's an album that came out this year. And it's like, Oh, it's nice that like, you know, in this world where, cause we, we may have talked about this a little bit, but I don't know if we talked about it on the show where um, from a streaming perspective, perspective artists especially on spotify now they only have to get people to listen to the first 30 seconds of a song for it to count so there are artists now who are gaming the system and if they keep songs under like two minutes and 30 seconds like it it does some other thing with the algorithm which is like to their benefit right so you have rappers and artists who are literally trying to compose things in such a way where they're putting the hook right at the beginning for everything now you know, like there's a like a whole wave of especially rap and hip hop and yeah, pop. That's there's always been there's always been a cookie cutter approach to whatever the pop sense. But now they're doing it less is. for what we think will sell records to what we know will legitimately get me a verified listen yeah. to go straight into my bank account. Well, that's like, also what put, whatever puts it in a charting position and earns the most money from yeah. plays on the track. Yeah, just like they used to tailor it to radio. Yeah, and before radio, they tailored it to you know. Uh, the phonograph and before that it was tailored to live performance and recreatability and you know that meant it was all about different things were prioritized I mean I read an interview about uh, Eric Clapton when he first heard um, the first time that they had done you know the right way of putting a microphone on a kick drum in studio and mastered that properly made it like a big thump like a microphone in the kick he basically said oh fuck and had to go home and reapproach songwriting oh wow because like this this the kick drum being this loud in the speaker is going to change everything yeah it's going to change the way i have to write going to change the way i have to write songs huh and so it's always done that yeah that that's always morphed and changed but the good old-fashioned three minute to three minute 30 second 
thing with you know intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus chorus out like that's well now it's know, flipping to start chorus start chorus, chorus 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 yeah. chorus outro verse chorus done yeah and that's you know that's always been there but they're never hard and fast rules and other things can always break through and that you know it's an art form man it, that there's no rules if, if i've learned one thing about the music business it's that there's no fucking rules besides make money yeah. you're successful yeah. if you make money i wish we had like so, a, like a sound effects board right now i would have just hit you with like every sound effect ever like <laughs> get the yellow in the oh, oh yeah. yeah make that money <laughs> um yeah man i think you know uh i don't know where the hell we were going with that but i definitely think there, there's a lot uh beneath the surface on the whole the whole artists and uh rights and and royalties and percentages and no, I could go on streaming services it's all bullshit and everybody's wrong you know i bet you would be surprised to know the top streaming platform for music is it spotify it is not apple music it is not i don't know youtube oh yeah i guess that makes sense it does right as soon as you hear yeah. it, you go oh yeah of course of course it is how else would people listen to a song for free? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, sure, uh, I I can listen to this one exact song. I'm sure there's a hundred versions uploaded, and several of them probably without ads. I used to just BitTorrent everything I wanted. Yeah. That, work, that works fine, too. Yeah, although apparently that's on the, the decline as well, just because there's so many places available now and so many services where, like, okay, if I want to listen to the, no, the new post malone song i could mm-hmm. go on youtube if i really want it i could technically save that youtube link as an mp3 yep. from another website yep. that just built me a chrome extension where i just click a button and it just does it and saves it in a folder on my computer yep it is torrenting but i'm torrenting the audio from the youtube video and mm-hmm. because i'm not an audiophile like you i don't give a shit what it sounds like no it's you usually know? fine it usually is 128 yeah. 320 is about as good as you really need for just walking around listening to in your headphones right uh, but but it's interesting how you know even even that stuff is it's not it's not that people aren't trying to get it it's that they're just finding different avenues right so while while maybe specifically peer to peer stuff mm-hmm. is declining it doesn't mean it's it's not like a direct corollary with with people's appetite or interest to have it on their own personal devices yeah, yeah. you know it, it's just that one mechanism for getting it is 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 staving off where everything else is kind of yeah demand's still high i think we found just the other theme ways. for this show human behavior remains and the medium and technology by which we express it and track it <laughs> continues to change but we're at the end of the day we're all doing the same shit yeah i mean fortunately same shit we've always all been doing you got about nine or ten minutes to uh to figure out exactly how to distill that down into a nice short rose nose (laughs) (laughs) well i'll think on that while we get into complaint corner oh yes i'm glad we have one of these i had no idea we had this (laughs) oh i told you i'd never run out Oh, good bring it there is actually prep involved for me now making sure that i've got something for this every week well that's good that gives us both something to it's do. a labor of love yeah it's a labor of love <laughs> what pissed you off this past i love week? hating mm-hmm. uh well this past week was um one of my least favorite holidays oh yeah 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 saint patty's saint patrick's day yeah it's never been a big thing for either of us really yeah that's true. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's never been a big deal of a holiday in general, but... Well, for some people, just well, not, for, not for our circles. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, um, I kind of... I find myself, like, really, like, getting more aggressive in my hatred of St. Patrick's Day as I get older. In what way? Well, um, dealing with people celebrating St. Patrick's mm. Day on the day of is a fucking nightmare. That it is. And 
it started to piss me off. And if you actually look into what St. Patrick's Day is versus how people celebrate it and the history of when and where and by whom it's been celebrated and how, you actually have a lot more right to hate all those people than you think. Hmm. And it's pretty fun. So I'd like to invite you and all the listeners yes. to come join me in a cesspool of hatred <laughs> against stupid people. But I feel like you have to give us a fireside chat. Uh, I, I'm passingly familiar with the, the folklore year, but uh, you should brush us all up so we can we can fully understand uh, what you're talking about. St. Patrick's Day uh, was made an official holiday, uh, Christian feast day, in the early 17th century. Damn. So to help somebody out with the math there, that's early 1600s. Yeah. Because you subtract one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and basically what it celebrates is uh, celebrates St. Patrick and the arrival of Christianity in Ireland. Mm. Okay. Okay. So that's what it's about. Saying we brought Catholicism to well, Ireland. St. Patrick was a guy who uh, he was in ireland for a while and i think he was kept imprisoned there for a while and then he eventually escaped and um returned some years later to to preach and do mission missionary work and he was the first one to preach christianity in ireland and right. he converted the first people supposedly and they didn't and they bring, later made a saint didn't didn't he bring christianity to ireland um while riding a, a pot of gold with a rainbow tail Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's, that's where all the rest of it comes from. Right. And then he also made cereal at some point mm -hmm. with marshmallows. Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, first of all, it's a religious thing. <laughs> so let's drink. So, like, yeah, right <laughs> off the bat, you're celebrating the arrival of Christianity and the Catholic Church to Ireland, which, you know, no influence in history there, but, you know, Google it. That's right. okay. Um, we don't have enough time for you to educate us about all of that. Nah, we really don't. <laughs> and I'm not smart enough. So, Fair. you know, I'm only smart enough to be able to admit that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the history of uh, the green, the color green on the whole thing, uh, yeah. the, the association of the color green with Ireland um, starts in Irish mythology. And uh, the story of a guy whose name I can't pronounce, and I'm not going to, who's basically considered uh, the creator of the Irish and Scottish languages. Uh -huh. um, the, again, this is according to Irish mythology. Right. So don't, you know, this is not history books talking. Right. Um, the story basically is that he was bitten by a snake, and uh, Moses saved him from the snake bite Okay. Uh, with his staff. And he, from that, that gave him a green mark that he would have forever, I guess. Okay. Uh, and he would lead his land to a people, lead his people to a land free of snakes. Okay. There was also another um, writer uh, who, uh, what is his name? Another name I can't really pronounce, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, <laughs> those, those, but it was written after that. Hard. Refers to someone else. Uh, I think this is, you know, yeah, this is another uh, mythology story. Reference someone else climbing a tower um, in that's in modern day Spain and is so captivated in winter by the sight of a beautiful green island off in the distance and just has to sail there right away. And lo and behold, it's Ireland. Um, so that's where the green association comes from. The whole shamrock thing comes from St. Patrick when preaching. Uh, they believe he used the shamrock, the three-leafed clover, to explain the Trinity uh. to the then pagan 
Irish. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's what all that stuff is. Hmm. Um, the main thing about you know drinking to excess as a form of celebration. Yeah, where'd that come in? Uh, comes because it's it, it, St. Patrick's Day is during Lent. And if you're Catholic, like the vast majority of Ireland, um, then on St. Patrick's Day you get a break from Lent, so you get a break from whatever you're really, yeah, and you get it, and you can drink. Seems and all like that. an interesting loophole. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where that tradition probably comes okay. from. Um, however, this is a holiday that didn't really start being celebrated in any major form until the 18th century. Um, and then so 1700s. It, mm, and then it was late 18th century, and it mostly started in North America by Irish expats. You know, like people, you know, Irish people who were living over here, they would start... And it was they would have the parades kind of as a way to, you know... Show their show that they're there and their legitimacy and their culture and, probably right yeah, yeah kind of like, show that and have a sense of pride in their community at the time because you, not everyone might know that the Irish immigrants were not treated all that yeah. awesome especially in North America upon their arrival for like a long time um, so this was a chance for them to celebrate that but right. really uh, it didn't start being celebrated in Europe or Ireland the way it is now until the 20th century wow that was only happening over here. Wow. Um, and a lot of even the, you know, I, well, a lot of people uh, kind of feel like the celebrations that have happened, that have started to happen over here, the, the wearing all the green and, you know, the people painting their face up. Uh, right. they, they, they think it's it's kind of gotten a bit derogatory and a bit tone deaf. Yeah, probably. So the drinking to ridiculous excess, first of all, like... It's just become a holiday for all the Todd Packers of the world. Yeah. For all you Office fans yeah. out there. Like, if you're someone who, you know, if your life is about flatulence and chauvinism and beer, then more power to you. That's what it seems like most of the St. Patrick's Day fanatics and most of their life is about. And, you know, the people that I see celebrating it out in full effect anyway. Um, Some people just want an excuse to, you know have some debauchery which yeah you know. and that's that that's kind of what i'm talking about yeah um so you know it, it but it's gotten pretty tacky even you know people have criticized that that's you know gotten pretty tacky and unceremonious and um kind of derogatory of irish people uh for example the leprechaun outfits yeah are actually based on a lot of really derogatory um derogatory stereotypes of irishmen from earlier in history it's kind of like the blackface of ireland really almost i mean that's my reference okay not anyone else's but yeah i mean if you think about if you picture a leprechaun doesn't that if you just take it's a caricature back doesn't it become kind of a racist portrait of an irishman yeah i mean it's a caricature yeah, like it, i mean it that, totally is and, and a caricature and we is, hang them up and dress up as them all over the place every year yeah a caricature is as offensive or inoffensive as you know, the person who it's of finds it. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so don't you think that's kind of fucked up that we do that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always thought it's fucked up. Though. Yeah, but like <laughs> knowing the history kind of makes it more fucked up. Yeah, I think it does. So yeah. we managed to talk about it's a bit tone deaf anyway. Yeah, a slew so. of tone deaf, fucked up shit this week. So, like we would any week. As
as usual, Cranky Josh hates whatever everyone likes today, <laughs> and I don't really like St. Patrick's Day, but, so, but that's my complaint. At least we got to, to have a nice St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, ours was fun. That was fun. Yeah. No one got shit-faced. Touche. Which that we know of. The, correct. Right. Didn't see it happen. Anyhow. So sealed everybody. <laughs> this has been uh, another week of Rose Knows. That's right. Another and, one in the hopper. And this week, Rose Knows. Cultural misappropriationism. I'll take it. Hit the button. Peace. <laughs>